When you've won the Supporter Shield and you look the same as you always do. It's Stetson MLS. A North American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Hello, hello. That's right, old Bruce. The face never changes, does it? Face never cracks. He's, uh, what a, what a, the, the, the Rams have, uh, have in, in the time since we last talked, they, they have definitely clinched not just their playoff position, but also the league. Yeah. And which is fantastic. And I don't think this was ever in any doubt really at any point in the season. Um, I just sort of like that when, a- when asked Bruce Arena's just like, did you see the shit I inherited here? Like, <laughs> that was his only comment. It, it was basically just a grumpy, like, yeah. And the shit I've been through to get them to this point. <laughs> From 2019. It's quite the, Fair enough. quite the, quite the trip. Um, like, like not just where, in which it really required them, you know, coming together. Well, they always had, you know, pieces, but, you know, they, they got to this moment. I think that a certain amount of the tact-to-turn nature here is because the thing with New England is always runner-up-itis, you know? Yeah. Like... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bruce Bruce is not happy until they are holding MLS Cup. Then, then maybe he'll be a bit more enthused, but <laughs> I, I agree. There's no way he's happy with... Uh, supporter shield and nothing else because they got into that point this was their first shield after you know being in mls original club but they also made it to the mls cup finals like uh, twice in a year i want to say or twice mm-hmm. in a row and so yep. i feel it's definitely like like constantly on the mind is the record for um, for teams that have won the supporter shield, the double doesn't happen that often. So as much as it doesn't, and I also think that's okay too. You know, like I, I mean, I think New England has gotten themselves into a really good rhythm. I don't think they've run themselves ragged to chase a supporter shield. I think that they've put on really strong performances, and I'm sure it was a goal at some point, but. Yeah, their real goal is MLS Cup and always has been, and and I don't think that I have any illusions about the challenges they're going to face against some of the teams, but they've, I think, proven to everyone and themselves, most importantly, they're ready for pretty much any team on their night, playing their form of football. I mean, clearly, uh, it can beat a lot of opponents. Also, hi, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> this is a North American soccer podcast. Oh, yeah, podcast. yeah, yeah. Uh, welcome. Hi, everyone. Hi, Just everyone. diving r- right in. Hey, well, yeah, well, so well we... we... Yeah, we got a few people at the back coming in late. Come on, come on. There's still room. There's chairs at the back. Pull up. We're so slow rolling start. So it was three. So it was three, um, three in a row and five total times they've been to MLS Cup Final um, without... Uh, without being able to win it. So I think that, like, if... I mean, it, it isn't the same thing, but I feel like uh, if they made it to Supporter Shield and then didn't win this year, that that would, I think, add... In some sense... In some can senses, I, it would add to the yes. Can I ask you a really unfair question? Yes. Just for entertainment's sake? Okay. I You cannot qualify your answer and provide any additional context to this. But just, if the final was happening tomorrow and it's New England and Seattle, who's going to win? New it? England. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. 
Well, I don't want to. I don't even want to discuss it. I'm just, I'm just throwing <laughs> that out there. I'm just dropping it into the universe. I mean, and we'll see where we're at in a few weeks. It's you know? certainly tough. It's certainly tough. But but it's just a. Um, but I think that there. I think there is an all or nothing feel there. And and one thing that uh, Seattle, as we're going to discuss a little later, um, has is that they have you know Rui Diaz is coming back. They're they're hopefully going to be having some pieces that they were missing. Um, Jordan Morris as well. Jordan Morris. But I just think that the the informed calculation certainly leads it to New England. Leads me to New England. Well, and it's so tricky because, like, New England scores a lot more goals, but also allows more. <laughs> Seattle scores fewer goals, but allows fewer. So I feel like... You know, if that were to be a scenario, and I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but I think it might. Um, yeah, I, I it's 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 tight for sure, but I I don't I don't disagree. I mean, part of me thinks we're just trapped in a weird alternate reality where Seattle Sounders can't not win. But I mean, we've, been, <laughs> we've proven we've proven that we've broken the spell. We've proven that they they can, in fact, sometimes not win MLS Cup. Um, so we're, we're gonna, obviously it's been a little minute since we've done a show. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, we're going to take a look at teams mostly that are kind of like a bit above the line and a bit below, like teams who are not totally out of it, uh, just yet. And also not quite in it. Part of that is if you look at, you know, this last weekend's of games in, at least in the East, it's like, you know. Philadelphia had a, a pretty smooth run of it. New York City had a pretty smooth run of it. And it, and it seems yeah, like the... Yeah, they're, the games that they're clinching are, you know, Philadelphia had a very professional, I would say fairly tidy and easy performance against Cincinnati 2 nothing. You know, that that clinched for them. That You know, it's like, all right, cool. But I don't think was in too much doubt and all credit due there. But I think, yeah, the, the richer conversation is who's uh, who's still a maybe here? I did like, um, oh, I had that goal. There were a lot of pretty goals this week, and I thought that the the, the debut goal Great from for from from Oliver Baizo for Philadelphia that was the that was the standout moment for me um, with that one. Yeah, but uh, but so you had this tussle between um, Atlanta and Toronto. They're they're currently in the best the best position. Um, mm-hmm. Atlanta are in the. Uh, in in the Eastern Conference playoff race, but they still weren't able to collect the three points at home um, after uh, Toronto's substitute uh, equalized for them uh, with ten minutes to go. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that they'll be not bitterly. Well, yes, I think Atlanta will be bitterly disappointed in in the point. I, I kind of feel like they, it's a bit of a, they did it to themselves and. We're starting to see the effects now of, you know, the teams that are eliminated. San Jose had a big result against RSL, and and what really hurt RSL chance, RSL's chances, even though San Jose is eliminated. This is why we always talk about this in, in MLS, is that when teams get into a bad run of form, it's easy to be like, well, you know, you can sort of afford it, and, and it, you might shake out in the end. But when you see how tight things get... Um, there, and there's games that you feel like your team could have grabbed a draw. All you need is one or two of those sometimes. A game that you just, the focus wasn't there and went the, the wrong way. Um, and that's the difference. So, 
For um, it's interesting to see that play out now, where the teams like San Jose, Dallas, Houston, uh, maybe not Austin as much to the to the same degree of effectiveness, but um, Toronto, Chicago, Miami, teams that are out but able to still influence how things uh, shake out, and really nothing can be taken. Uh, for granted for teams that haven't yet secured their spots. I think that any team who changed their manager must at this point be thinking, no, what if? (laughs) (laughs) What if we, what if we had done it a couple, you know, um, what if we had done it a couple matches sooner? What if we had done it in the off season? It's like, I'm, I'm sure that'll, that'll come into it. Um, another person who's wondering what if, I know I said 10 minutes related, the, the Toronto equalizer was 89 minutes. Uh, but Quentin Westberg, who tried to uh, play the ball at his feet while he was being uh, uh, challenged vociferously by Luis Araujo. Yeah. Can't do it. <laughs> Straight up can't do it. Yeah, I mean, it was a... Since we've last talked, there's been some some weird ones for sure. Um, I think there was obviously a lot of discussion around the Tim Millia bear hug sort of tackle that initially <laughs> just initially kind of just I think only got a yellow in the game if it got that, and then there was a follow up fine and one game um, suspension, and people were sort of calling for more blood. And I mean, it's a very egregious tackle, but. I feel the rock like, called it a rock bottom, and I and 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 I and you could call it that. You could call it everything. Everything is evil if you like evil for New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's like a it's a very cheap move, but I also feel like I'm like is is it? Can we really call it player endangerment? Endangerment like it's shenanigans, but is it <laughs> is it a two game suspension? Like it's it's clear and obvious and egregious in that way, but I don't feel like I don't know. I'm sure somebody out there is going to blow their stack at me for that, but. Point is, Tim Milia was eventually suspended for a game and fined for that one, but that that thing's got a little uh, spicy there. And then uh, an interesting game for me was this Minnesota Sporting Kansas City clash. Uh, Minnesota, Minnesota coming back after a disappointing visit to Vancouver, which we maybe we'll get to that. But uh, I was really impressed with Minnesota here, and you know, keeping themselves in the mix after that disappointing Vancouver game. where they just seemed, again, kind of below their levels. Um, Kyrie Shelton initially scores in this one eight minutes in. Also, this week there was a lot of early goals in games, I felt. Um, It's a deep ball to Russell, who cuts back to Shelton, who smashes it in. Um, And then uh, Fragapane chops down a ball and is able to, to, like, half-scissor kick it into the net about ten minutes later. Um... And then there's some, maybe a bit of a soft peak, uh, penalty call on Reynoso. Um, but I also feel like Minnesota's been screwed <laughs> by a few decisions this season. So I feel like this is kind of one where it's like, is it the most clear-cut penalty ever? No. But, like, there's contact on the player. I think Reynoso knows what he's doing. Um, and then the first of two very rude Paninka PKs this week came from that one. Um and then after I can't I don't I think it was after that uh, Sporting Kansas City player Dia comes in and just with a very very aggressive challenge on Reynoso and was only shown a yellow card in the game but I believe has since been suspended for two uh, two games and a fine. Such a rough time to be doing that. Teams are teams are really going to rely on their uh, their stars 
and and to think to think that a team in Kansas City's position that does not have two, yeah, it feels it feels. I mean, it would be bad even if they had to. Well, and, like... and people were, I think, making a lot of the fact that Dio had, was like uh, come had come from USL and had barely played any minutes this season, and was basically put on to go after Reynoso. And I mean, maybe there's some truth to that, but. I think sometimes a player can have something in their head and then what translates out is a more aggressive than maybe they intended. I don't want to defend, you know, violent tackles, but all I'm saying is I don't think it was nece- the, quite the hit job that maybe um, folks are making it out to be. But it, it obviously the league has to protect every player um, and the big players like Reynoso who are tricky to deal with. Um Anyway, that was a good result for Minnesota, and that puts them at 48 points, which has them tied with Vancouver. We have had an almost identical season. Very little in terms of goal differences or, or wins or losses. Um, so I think it's it's good for Minnesota. Obviously, I'm not pleased that they're quite so close to Vancouver. <laughs> but given that they were my kind of shout for one of the better teams this season at the beginning of the season. I'm, I feel somewhat vindicated by the fact that after all of the crap that they've been through and that they've inflicted on themselves, they are at least above the playoff line. Um, that currently that sitting seems, in fifth. If you think about it and you look at who is there, it really feels like that is some, in some way, I would say that about every team currently in you know, fighting for a playoff place, except for, like, maybe Orlando and Montreal have just been, like, true strivers. But other than that, it it feels like there's been some real self-inflicted, you know, hard times that everyone has had to sort of, you know, find a way to get over themselves. For sure, yeah. And I think for Minnesota, it, it was trading away some key pieces and then suffering through some injuries. Um and, and just struggling with their, their system and their, their rhythm a little bit. Um, you know, but I, I think overall, the things that I liked about them and the reasons why I thought they could be really dangerous were true. I wasn't, I'm clearly not right about how good they were going to be. Um, but I think it is, it is good for them. And it's, I, I think good for Adrian Heath to show that he's put in a lot of work to this team and they've changed a lot of things. And it's nice to see, that they are a significantly improved team, and they're certainly not a team that you look at now and think like, "Oh, there's an easy three points." And yeah, unfortunately, that's the where they started. So we have right now we have uh, three teams in MLS with equal numbers of goals for and goals against, and somehow, despite everything, Vancouver Whitecaps are one of them. Somehow, man, this team right now. What a what a what a run of uh, what a run of results that's been. You have uh, this, you know. As odd as it was, I was never particularly. I I did think that um, a result at LAFC is possible, just because you know LA has been in their challenging position and. And the Caps have been getting good results against LAFC. It didn't seem to me to be a surprise that they could do it again. Yeah. I had been hoping that it would be that it could be a win. I mean, I yeah, it, I don't think that that's an unreal expectation. <sighs> I, I mean, I I <laughs> I've been a White Caps fan long enough to not to say I I went into that match thinking like 
a draw would be fine because we'll find a way to screw this up for ourselves. Um, but it felt like on paper and given everybody's form, it was like, yeah, that, that felt like a winnable game. However, um, there's certain stats like losses at home that I feel like are pretty hard to overturn. And Bank of California Stadium is a pretty solidified fortress. So That's I, true. I feel like at any point in the season to go there and get a draw is a good result. Um, it's disappointing that it, it's kind of just like, you know, a couple of small errors are the thing that make the difference between one point and three. That being said, I, I feel like for most of the second half, uh, or for large portions of it, we were only held into this game by Maxime Cripo once again. So, uh, yeah, going into it, I was like, this could be three points. I voted in for... Middle, in the middle of it, I'm like, mm, mm. I did my, my vote today for, for Whitecaps, the fan vote for Whitecaps Player of the Year. You, you'd you gotta know I smashed that Maxime Cripo button. You know what? I thought of that this morning. I also voted, and I voted before this game, and I voted for Brian White. Well, I mean, I, I think and that I, White and Gauld are, are all, all four, Gauld, White, and Dahomey were the other options, and they're all good options. Yeah, yeah. I'm not upset if any of those guys win, um, but I definitely thought this morning, I'm like, man, based off last night, it really reminded me of just, like, the insane level that Maxime Kerpo is playing at. Um, I mean, I, I car- a career performance for him, but I, I mean, I think easily one of the best performances in MLS this season. Um, he's just been so solid. When you look at the amount of shots that he's facing, like I know defensively our team could help him out a little bit um, and help cut down on some of the number of saves he needs to make. But he just, he looks so loose, and but like locked in out there, right? Like he, it just seems yeah. so reflexive, his saves. He's just, he's in the right place. He's extending the right limb at the right time. Um you know, he's he's just like a, a cat out there, and and for me, this is this game is easily three one without him, probably four or five one, uh, with a different goalkeeper. So after the 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 four one thumping against Seattle in October, um, the Whitecaps have been uh, undefeated in five with the two draw the two road draws in LA and in San Jose that. Just amazing. Come from behind three unanswered goals in the second half. The in their office as you speak against uh, Portland yeah. away at Providence Park. Yeah. Um that was in in part of the reason why I think you would see this in, in the Portland game, but in, in a lot of these games. Part of the reasons why you would consider White is because he is not only scoring lots of goals. He's also really him and um, him and Ryan Gauld are are really influencing other people when they're themselves not scoring. They're they're getting the ball forward. They're mm-hmm. you know banging around in the area. They're causing Dahomey their... as well. Like and and I feel like mm-hmm. those players are all creating opportunities. Not necessarily the goal scoring opportunity itself, but the build up in different parts of the pitch. You know where you see Dahomey winning the ball basically playing as a left back um, where you see him winning it deep in the midfield and, and players being unafraid to roam a little bit more, but like be a bit more involved in the play. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
the 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 and so now it I guess it all comes back down to Seattle as it must. You know, the, 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 why the does all it always? Why, Bates? No. <laughs> why does it always have to? Why does our future always have to be held in Seattle Sounders' hands? Well, it's uh, it it as I've I think I've seen Whitecaps fans talk about. It will be it it is in Whitecaps' hands. They have they somehow got to this point where they can win and get in, and and if they don't, they can only look back and think about. All of the unfortunately missed opportunities, you know, the late goals early, the late, you know, the the late goals against earlier in the year, and and yeah, and this is again, it, it could would come, be it really could come down to just one of those games being the difference if they cannot get a draw out of Seattle, and even then, depending on other results, like it's still likely a draw will be enough, but there's still scenarios where it's not. Uh, it really will just come down to you think any one of those games that they just lost focus for a second or there was an individual error or we just yeah gave up so the, uh, <laughs> it could be the difference the thought the thought process in one sense has to be beyond just that game as being the the maker or breaker um but it obviously is a tremendous amount of uh of of distance they've covered since Vandy Sartini was made our interim coach Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The, the influence is there for sure. I I wonder a little bit, and this isn't to take anything away from Sartini, but I wonder how much of it is just kind of a bump in terms of like a, a wake up call for players. Um, I, and, and maybe the answer is a bit, a bit of all things, you know, like it's Sartini's obviously a charismatic guy. He's obviously a fantastic coach and the players have really responded well to him. Um, but I, I wonder how much of that is a bit of the just shaking things up a bit, where at a certain point people are just, they're not really hearing, they're just tuning out that same voice that they've been hearing for the last two, three years. Yeah. That that clip that they played at the halftime, that they showed from the halftime of Portland, where, where Sartini is in the dressing room saying, listen, if we can if we can push them to the 80th minute, we can catch them off guard. We will win this game when they're in when they're two nothing. That is on one hand, um, really incredible motivation that obviously paid off. On the other hand, you only get so many of those. Yeah, like like if you you can't say that every time you're losing two nothing because then when you lose four nothing, yeah, <laughs> then or four one. And or I what think, have you? And that for me really nails it, and which is why I've been not as like super optimistic about the Whitecaps because I I feel like there's still some things that this success is masking. I think that Sartini is aware of that, but I agree that you like that messaging works great. But I think that's where Mark Dos Santos kind of coached himself into a corner is that you ended up in situations where you constantly kind of had to like reframe it for the players. But the, I think the reframe maybe needed to be a little bit more stark or, I, you know, I don't know what his methods were and I, I don't think it's fair to criticize when I don't know what they were, but um, I, I feel like the, there's still a defensive side to the team that really needs some serious work. And, you know, our, our midfield, our defensive midfield is now kind of, I think, the 
uh, the next spot where we maybe need to look to to shore things up. I think Awosu Awusu has been really really great. I get why he's being used over Bikel. I think Bikel has been effective at times, but I mean, you sort of forget like he's a DP. <laughs> he's a big yeah. he's a big money signing and I I can't really I don't feel comfortable saying like it, it's necessarily been great value for money. Um, but that's not to say that he's bad or that our defensive midfield isn't effective or good at times, but just that I still think that that and a combination of the way that we structure our team still means that it's really easy for teams to get a lot of shots in. And I, I just think that's always going to be really difficult in the MLS to only be a counterattacking team. I think our counterattack is devastating when it comes off. Um, but it does put you in situations where you have to put something out on the line and you're kind of leaving it up to flipping a coin as to whether or not you're going to come out on the right side of that <laughs> at the end of the season, you know? Like, if you're always, if you're gunning for uh, for no draws, as we've seen in previous seasons, but uh, obvious, the improvements are there, the form is there, the grit, um, the desire, the chemistry between the players, I think is it's all there and it's fantastic. I just think that, like... It, it shouldn't probably come down to this tight of a scenario. And it worries me that, you know, our fate w- may be decided by the likes of Rui Diaz and Jordan Morris. So <laughs> put it that way. I, I have all of the faith in my team and I'm going to support them like hell. And I, I don't think a win at home against Seattle is out of the question. However, uh, I watch a lot of MLS and I watch a lot of Seattle Sounders. They're objectively a better team by a lot, and I think this game is going to be a really difficult one. And I feel like, despite form, a loss is possible here. And um, the Vancouver Whitecaps again are in a situation where, like so many times before, they are going to have to play their best game of football to uh, to make things happen. Um, the uh... L.A. now sits very, uh, very snugly underneath them with one point. They got a, a they got their draw against um, Seattle with a, a just an outrageous Chicharito. Uh, what was the what was the manner of that? Implausible backheel is what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm not quite sure what happened, and I can't clearly see it. But I'm just assuming it was off the back of his heel because otherwise I'm not sure how it happened. It's kind of like it. I think, and I mean, like I was going, I I I named it back heel based on the 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 further out pulled out camera as opposed to being able to see his his foot clearly. But I think what's happened is is that it's come at his leg, and he is like a step over it. You know what I mean? Like he's not yeah. quite in possession to do it, and he's facing away from it. Yeah, um, like it, and that's it's sort of like a, it's a back heel, but it's kind of also like an over the shoulder glance kind of goal. Like he's yes. really he's only looking over his shoulder after it leaves his foot, I think, or his <laughs> thigh or whoever his calf. Yes, it was a good testy game too. Uh, I like to see a bit of fight from the galaxy and get stuck in. I mean, it was a bit, uh, a bit of bodies falling over all over the place at some points, but I liked it. It was a good good physical match this one. You could see them. Uh, you could see them coming through it. Um, of the two, 
LA teams, do you see either of them making it? And if just one, which one? Okay. So this question, so LA Galaxy play Minnesota next. And which is a piece that I had forgotten, which gives the Vancouver Whitecaps a better chance, right? Yes. I'm just looking to see. Ah, yeah. This is the thing that my answer hinges on. LAFC's final game will be against Colorado. Colorado has clinched, has been very, very defensively sound this season. Even a draw means that LAFC is completely out. LAFC has to win that game. Um, And I believe it is in Colorado. So that's going to be my answer, is LA Galaxy have the far better chance, and not just based on points. Um. I don't think it's inconceivable that LA draws or beats Minnesota. I don't know that it's likely they beat them, but a, a point would be enough to keep them above the line, um, which is enough to keep RSL and LAFC at bay. So I think it's Galaxy. And you know what? I don't, despite the years of trash talk that I've heaped on them, <laughs> I'm not disappointed to see this. I, I think that Vanny has struggled with this club and... He has really pushed, and, and he's obviously had an impact in certain areas with certain players. I think there's still some dead weight on Galaxy that could be trimmed, but given the circumstances, uh, I think he's done pretty good with the team, and I and I think they deserve a shot to be in the playoffs and, and maybe surprise a few folks. I think Galaxy could be a fun team to have in the playoffs. Um, that Definitely agree. might not necessarily think of as, as in form. The, you know, if you look at the, I think the MLSsoccer.com page, they're talking about how important the biggest, or or maybe it was the commentators, the biggest, the biggest game for Salt Lake is they head to Portland. I see now they have two extra games, which they have the game in hand, and Portland is the game in hand, and and that is important to them. But to me, I can't think of a game as important or as soul crushing. As as the San Jose game, yeah, where they they score, they give up four unanswered goals, Oops. and then they score two more, but just just they start to come back just a little too late. Yeah, get your business done at the right time, folks. Oh, yeah, it was it really it was kind of, it was disappointing, right? Like I I felt like um, I expected better. <laughs> no, I mean we we love a good RSL fight back here. They're a plucky team, but boy, getting beaten by an eliminated San Jose has has got to hurt them. And they've given up, uh, well, actually the same number of goals as LA Galaxy, and they've scored more than them. So they'll be kicking themselves. Uh, I think that was probably the deciding one for them. I mean, yes, they could still get forty eight points, and Galaxy could lose to Minnesota in entirely possible situation. Um, RSL plays Portland, so we'll see. Um, over and then, in, and then Kansas City. So, like, mm. over in the Eastern Conference, uh, New York had that uh, dagger of a 90th minute goal against Montreal that that yep. puts. I mean, I think that you know the 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 big thing in the commentary when they say it is. That puts New York above the playoff line for now. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and we're talking about the Red Bulls. Um, 
yeah, for now. I they're so weird, right? Like, I mean, there's there's quality there. There's some quality there. Uh, but I also, I mean, I feel like the the standings are pretty fair, you know? Like, the results don't really lie here. I mean, I feel like they do deserve to be above D.C., Columbus, and Montreal. And I don't think they deserve to be above Atlanta, Orlando, or any of the other <laughs> top teams. So I feel like if a team has to be seventh right now, it's, it's theirs. Um... So yeah, it's it's good for them, but I I don't feel like anyone's really expecting a big like late playoff push from Red Bulls where they suddenly find their form and and really challenge. But again, not an easy team to play either. Like if I'm any of the East Coast teams, I'm not reveling uh, a first match against New York Red Bulls. You know? No, I think that Orlando is is looking good. I don't I don't I mean there is as much in the hunt as anyone right now, but I kind of think that. I feel good about the you know the the players that they uh, that are dangerous for them and 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 I think that like you said I think that they, they it's fair to have them in that spot. I did come away from the uh, the DC Columbus game. Oh wait, can we can, can we go back to Orlando for one second? Yes. I mean, I know it was much discussed, but the game against Nashville um, was. A, a really interesting one. I, I thought overall a, a great game. Um, it was a 1-1 result, but there was much to do because um, Daryl DK, I believe, scored a winning goal uh, late in the game, but then it was called back for an apparent foul that he had... Apparently he had fouled Alistair Johnston, but like... Oh! For the, for the life of me... You watch this replay over and over and over again, and all I see is DK scoring a goal as Alistair Johnston, like, kind of runs into him. And the goal is called back and disallowed. And so Perea, of course, is fuming, and I think he goes a little bit overboard um, on his woe-is-me arguments at times. I think he's right here. I think that this is a game-winning goal that was denied, and, you know, Orlando was denied the opportunity to clinch. So I feel like... Orlando will be fine. They'll stay in the playoffs. I think that they'll get some good results. But I think it, it they will be upset that, you know, New York City gets to clinch this fourth spot, and technically it should be Orlando's. They should have to have... Uh, or they should have 51 points. So, you know, although it's not doomsday for them, um, I would be pretty frustrated. That was uh, that was certainly not in the uh, uh, in the all goals highlight reel. <laughs> no, it certainly wasn't. I I only caught it because I saw I sort of saw a news or a t- uh, news piece or tweet about it when it happened, and then I I was able to go back and find some stuff about it. But um, I see I see that he also had the uh, the zombie celebration, and I had uh, we went uh, we. I don't know if we talked about Dallas, uh, Atlanta, but I also appreciated um, Ferreira's thriller dance after he <laughs> scored for Dallas. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Love the Halloween theme celebrations. Um, yeah, I'm trying to see if I can find this one, but yeah, it, it, that'll be tough, and it'll be like like that'll be uh, you know it's. It's too late. I don't want to, you know, prejudice it by saying that, you know, it'll be a curse or anything. But yeah. it's tough. There, 
they're not in a position aren't in a, in a position where they can't give away ones like or where where they are, they're like fine with with not having it. Oh, I yeah. You know what? I saw this. I saw this on the weekend as well. Now that now that now that I did, yeah. There's no way that yeah. there's no way that that's a foul on well, Johnston. And and the especially egregious thing for me, and the reason why I wanted to talk about it is, it's varred and overturned. So for me, I'm like this. The referee gets it right, and then it's goes to VAR, and then it's reviewed. So I'm like, so twice people looked at video of this and somehow decided this was a foul. Like it just, it makes no sense to me. I think sometimes the depending on the the speed or where they decide to start a clip, it can start to make you see something that maybe is not really there. Um. I, I just feel like in that situation you favor the goal scorer because it, it's not a ball that um, you know it, it it's I would say maybe DK is not doesn't quite have it under control but he has every right to go for the ball which he is which he gets to before sort of coming through Johnston's outstretched foot like that's the contact that I see. Anyway, referee response. We'll there. The referee response says Orlando player Daryl DK kicked Nashville player Alistair Johnson's leg as Johnston was attempting to clear the ball. It was determined to be a foul prior to the goal being scored. No. The thing is, I don't no, even not. know. I, I I did. The only I don't necessarily disagree. The only thing is, is that looking at it, it's hard for me to see where DK actually makes contact. Uh, I think that it goes in. I think it's an own that's goal the, off Johnston. The, I think it's an own like goal he, off Johnston. Although you could say, oh no, no, there's a little bit. There's like a controlling. He doesn't hit it in a way. Right. Like I'm like if if you have to get the microscope out, and you have to like actually frame your mind in a certain way to see it. How is that clear and obvious? You know what? Maybe it like, hits his knee. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's a, that's. I think that maybe that's the best way of looking at it, is that, that it is... They, neither of them have control. They're both going for it. You can, both, you can suggest that both of them had contact with the ball. Um, whatever, the, whatever the call on the field stands in that case, I feel. Yeah. Oh, well... It's in the past, but Orlando fans, I'm with you on that one. That's that should have been three points. That was truly scary. Yeah, but I was going to say, um, I was going to say, um, if I can now move past Orlando, um, let's move past. I think it'd be a shame if if Columbus in in the form they seem to be in, and specifically that Celerian is in the second goal from outside the box. Um, yeah. You know they're the defending champions, and I think that they're good enough. Even though they've had a you know an up and down season, that they could really cause people trouble, and it would be, um, it would be tasty as heck. I feel to have them oh, in that yeah. position. Absolutely, and uh, you know, and I I feel for DC United. I, I think that they've had little stretches of some things going really right, and I, I like some of the changes that they've made this season, but. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's great for Columbus. Um, they've just seemed to DC seemed to be struggling of late, but it's a really important win for Columbus, who are now tied with DC for points, and both are just outside of the playoff race. DC is ahead, I think, by one goal difference. Um, 
Yeah, I feel like Columbus, you know, obviously stretched with Champions League play um, or Campionis Cup or some cup. What cup did they win? Campionis Cup. I am Cup. so sorry. Campionis, Campionis Cup. Yes. See, I knew I didn't have it right off the bat. It wasn't Champions League. It was Campionis Cup. I feel like that that really stretched them. I think that they responded the best that they could, but then again had injuries. So the league played levels kind of dropped off uh, at times. So, I, yeah, I'd love to see Columbus above the line. Um, it's going to be so, so tight with DC, though. <laughs> I mean, literally separated by a goal difference right now. Um, and this one certainly would seem to say that the the odds are in the favor of Columbus. Ariola scores the third minute in after a perfect ball over the top from our old f- friend Felipe. Um, the, the PK from Zellerayan to take uh, tie things, who's taken down by Alfaro, that one's definitely a PK. Um, then Santos scores after a great ball through from Nagby. Um, and then Zellerayan caps things off emphatically after a bad giveaway and he's able to score that beautiful goal. You know? Really nice. I I feel like it's possible for DC, but it's more likely for Columbus. Yeah. Uh, DC will play Toronto in their final game, so interesting one. Um, guess that could go either way. I see. I definitely see Columbus. Toronto are currently meeting Pacific two one in the in the Canadian Championship. Uh, Ooh, Pacific got a goal. Oh, did I they? Checked it was two oh, nil. So yeah. Um. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, that goes. Uh, Miami two oh, nil still. <laughs> Miami who lost. Miami who uh, you know lost to that display from uh, Tata Castellanos. Um, will also be uh, saying goodbye to Federico Iguain, who will be ending his career following the 2021 season. I was going to be really rude and be like, didn't he end his career before he came to Miami? Anyway, no, 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 no. That's too mean. That's too mean. Um, Yeah. I was, I had this moment where I was, I went on a little rant in my notes about like, how does Phil Neville still have a job? And then I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, because David Beckham owns the team. Never mind. Solve that Aww. one for myself. He's not, he's not going to fire him, but my God. I mean, it's nice to be right, I guess, because after that nice, one nice Miami performance, and I was like, I don't think this is going to stay. <laughs> Granted, tough opponents, but this really never looked like. Uh, much was going to happen for them. They also lost to Atlanta earlier uh, in the week before this game. Um, prior to this loss, uh, Phil Neville was sort of adamant that Inter-Miami is in a fine place and they're going to rebuild with fresh, young, fast talent. But, like, in my mind, didn't they already ship a bunch of those fast, young, talented players that they had? Um, not to mention the fact that they will be trying to rebuild that team with uh, minus $2 million in... Uh, MLS fun bucks because of league sanctions against them. So, I mean, it's it's all to do, but this is a long way of me saying I, f- I cannot imagine a scenario where Phil Neville stays because the rebuild of this team is going to take someone with vastly more experience um, in, in a coaching uh, place. And I would imagine with some MLS experience as well to, to be able to do more with less which they'll have to do. But New York City, man, they are just flying. I know we we had asked some questions earlier on in the season about them, and 
New York City fans responded, don't worry about us. We've got depth on our team. You may not know these players yet, but you will. And sure enough, they clinch fourth spot in the East. Yeah. Um, the I watched uh, at least one of the two. I was uh, um, I was not able to see the the Canada game against um, on in Montreal in their the Canada women's national team's uh, victory tour against New Zealand. Mm, right. Um, just the uh, total feel good fest in in Ottawa when they beat New Zealand five one. Um. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the it's as much as I think that there's a uh, a uh, a real question of like why they took like you know why they took so long to 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 book that you know why it's been so hard to find merch for them they did create that moment um, for them at the time uh, uh, you know once yeah. uh, once things came to it. The, I think that the biggest, most important thing, though, um, to come out of that is um, that there has been finally a movement from Canada soccer on the Bob Berarda issue. Yeah. Um, prior to the game, the play, the union that represents um, the players for the women's national team issued a set of um, a set of demands from. Canada Soccer, which Canada Soccer said they would meet, and one of them included an independent um, review into its role in the affair, which was really kind of where we were at following the end of 2019, was was all eyes in that direction, and they just kind of didn't do it. (laughs) Yeah, and and I feel like, you know, the the Whitecaps are kind of in a similar situation, where they're there was sort of the another like review from within but not a lot of like meaningful follow-up from it or kind of like it's like after a review we have made some more statements and and i don't you know i i know that work was done and things were achieved but also it it didn't really feel like any accountability had come um or, or what was there was pretty minimal and it was more of like what always happens the, the whole argument is just around people getting shuffled around or you know continuing to work when when they've played a role here and what people have been saying all along is it's not just the people the people accused of abuse and misconduct it's the people covering it up and um you know sweeping these things under the rug and being like well they don't work at the club anymore, so it's no longer an issue. Like, it's just... So they had, at the time, said, we, we're not in charge of Bob Berarda's license. Um, after he had been, you know... But you him, influence yes. it? Like... Yeah, but then, but so then it goes, then it goes to, to Canada, and, and the, the current FIFA vice president, who is under pressure because of that. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like yeah. of doing it. And I, there has been, there have been comments for why did it take the women's? Why did it take the players on the women's national team so long to get behind it? Um, but they're there. They are there now. Yeah. Um, I think those are legitimate concerns. We're 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 hopefully moving in some direction with that. And, and there has been this is the this is I think the thing weighing heavy on the hearts of all Whitecaps fans is that you know dealing with more um, with more fallout from. From the way that the, the Whitecaps handled the the Whitecaps women's team, 
Um, the the Paul Riley NWSL allegations, I I think it would be fair to say, kicked off like a sort of mini soccer me too. Um, or similar to pro wrestling speaking out, where other people in other situations have, have said, "Well, I want yeah. to, I feel like I can say something now." Um, yeah, while there's while people are actually paying attention, and while there's some support as well, because you know, imagining people trying to come forward in, in sort of a vacuum of other of a, of other things, you know, there's such small windows of time it feels where people the public focus is actually on the right thing, and people are actually listening. Some of this happened. Um, it, it, some of this, I guess, comes from. Uh, Allegations against the current head coach of Jamaica, uh, Hubert Busby Jr., who was the coach of the Whitecaps women's team in 2011. And um, the uh, the player Mallory Anak said that uh, Busby uh, basically committed sexual assault against her in, in 2011 while, uh, while attempting to recruit her to the team. Um... This is if you if you you know follow the the numbers uh, the the issues there there were issues with the 2011 women's team yeah. that were reflected in the original February 2019 blog by Kara McCormick. Um, yeah. They kind of moved a little bit more. They they um, everything moved a little bit more on the Berarda side, but this is now kind of that side of things mm-hmm. um uh, coming to bear and, and 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 I think that this is if I recall I would say that that would be um that it there's two different weird things that happen with oh well because I guess he got removed at the end of that year didn't he yeah uh and it was again another situation where that was not announced yeah. Um and that's the thing like I just yeah that that there still seems to be some over-reliance on like well they don't work here anymore or they they we severed the relationship and be like yeah and you failed to protect people both while the coach was with your team and after like you don't get a prize for just doing the easy thing. So we don't have to uh, so we we know now that the response, and there was it really did feel you know I know that some of these dots have to be some of these eyes have to be dotted and T's had to be crossed, but it feels like yeah. Whitecaps waited until the very last moment in last week that they could potentially do any response to this, but but um, they announced that quote unquote. Any senior exec, any members of the executive team that were found to be involved in this have been suspended. Well, yeah. we know that, you know. We know who was there. We know that Rachel Lewis and Greg Anderson and Dan Lenarduzzi were executives then and executives now. We also know that Bob Lenarduzzi was an executive then and is listed as the club liaison on the executive team page now. We don't know. Yeah specifically what we don't know what uh which of those which of those coaches are going to be which of those executives are going to be a part of the review yeah. just because the way they've worded it it could be all of them it could be a couple of them who knows but but 
I think that it's fair to say, and this is what I'm, what, you know, McCormick said in that blog post, that the same people who have, the same people have been in charge for all of this. You know, Axel Schuster is up yeah, there. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't something that they've got to trace back, like some mystery web of, of names at the club. Like we, it's not a mystery who was there. Axel Schuster is the club president that. now and can, t- can try to say, you know, it, it, it is, is being left to address it. But yeah, I think, and I said this in a, in a, in a thread that you mentioned, you know, the review and, and trying to get things back with the review. That's what he said. That the the owner Jeff Mallet had said at that time that this was their task to do and, and hopefully they would the the learning from the lessons of the twenty nineteen review was going to be their hallmark, that they were going to be so good at it. And at the time that he said that, yeah. you know, Anthony Blundell had been accused of sexual assault and charged two months before he said mm-hmm. that. And nobody found out until April of the next year uh, after he'd already left the club. I think, well, I think a lot of things, but first of all, like, you know, I don't think anybody doubts Axel Schuster's um, desire to change things. I don't think anybody doubts that he's a, a good person who wants to see things change. The trouble is that all of this has existed in a system where good people don't do the right yeah. thing. And there's pressures on them from club ownership, and I, I don't know where else. I mean, we will see, I'm sure. Uh, pressure to just move on from things, and, and it, it's just viewed as it's simply a PR issue. So, you know, forgive us if we're not tripping over ourselves to applaud at a statement that's being given. I think people are saying some of the right things Sure, some of the the statements are becoming more nuanced, and I don't want to disregard them because I know that they're also important acknowledgments of things that people have been through. But I I think we have to be able to also, like, if we take anything from this, is to look at ourselves and think about, so what do you do if you're in a position of power? Where do you have influence? And what are you going to do if somebody comes to you or you know about something that's going on? Because, unfortunately, good intentions and a desire for it to not happen does not make anything change. And I don't doubt the sincerity of Axel Schuster or anybody wanting to make changes um, and and see things shift. But we have been here before. Yeah. Um, and and it, it is going to take something monumentally significant to, I think, change anyone's mind about this organization and their ability to take things seriously. Um, because, yes, good investigations take time and they take rigor. But, part you know, when they happen sort of under this cloak of darkness and mystery, sure, there has to be confidentiality. And also, how do we know anything is going to... Be, how do we know anyone's going to be accountable if if there's no information and everything we know it's not the club investigating the club and Axel Schuster was very clear about that that this is the league investigating the team and that was initiated by him that's significant and important yes. but something still has to happen at the end of it and and that's the part where I'm just you know for everybody's sake I really really hope it does um Change what something. will be the change, whether it's a management change, uh, you know, I think people sometimes mention ownership change or whatever. 
I think we're all looking for a change in I think this team as long as I've known it before the MLS era is a team that um, is just trying to or I feel like is, is, is getting from one step to the next as, as long as it's been yeah. in MLS and before it is that that feeling of 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 fighting to you know to keep position in MLS to 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 you know to continue to survive as a franchise and and, and I think that they need to whatever can be done in terms of that change to to have them act in the best interests of the players and the community that they serve instead of themselves is is yeah. is what uh, is what I'm hoping for, and and they they have just got to be able to do it. Um, they and, and the MLS, you know, have got to be and able to do it. And it's literally all, all up to them. There's nothing anybody else can do. <laughs> you know, we've it's the the strength and and the the courage of everyone coming forward, and it's people who have stood by those people and supported them. But that's and that's gotten us to this point. But, you know, the people in the positions of power, the pe- people who have an opportunity to change things, it's going to take them acting and, and doing something differently. So I hope that happens. Um, where can we find you online? You can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at That's So MLS. You can find this podcast at That's So MLS.com on Apple uh, podcasts and wherever else you get podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. Where can we find you? You can find me online uh, on Twitter at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. And the soccer season at Canada Game Stadium has concluded. It was a great time. Um, Fantastic. Both for the for the Reds and for the Seawolves. And uh, and yeah, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Um, I don't think we had any major red cards this podcast, so I want to give a shout out to the yellow card given to a UMB red player. Until next week, don't get a yellow card for re-entering the field before the referee has waved you on. Oh, no. Don't. That is an egregious. <laughs>